Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The Oregon State Beavers are 2-0 on the season, getting wins under their belts against both Boise State and Fresno State, programs that have been a thorn in the side of the Beavs historically, especially getting that big road win down in Fresno we bring on now. Carter Bonds from BeaverBlitz.com. Carter, thanks for taking a few minutes for us, man. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good timing. I'm actually right now pulling into the parking lot at Reefster Stadium. Uh, get uh, a couple of interviews with some of the offensive guys on the team today. So um, you, you caught me at, um, at a coincidental time today. Perfect. I mean, look, this Oregon State team, they had what was a great opener against Boise State where it just seemed like everything was clicking and everything was going in the right direction. But I thought the Fresno win was more impressive because you do it on the road, and it was when things went off script and didn't go Oregon State's way. Uh, who impressed you the most uh, in that week two win from kind of bouncing back from from some of the negative plays and, and really able to make an impact on it? Because there were several guys, whether it was like guys like Treshawn Harrison who had drops or Chance Nolan who was kind of rebounding from misthrows and miscues. Uh, there was a lot of guys that kind of stood out as guys who rebound when things went wrong for them. Yeah, I think it starts with Chance Nolan obviously had a couple of picks against Boise State. Um, I, I know he had a couple of things that he wanted to clean up from that performance, even though he played uh, relatively well outside of that. But, um, no, to come back against Fresno State, put together a clean performance, and um, I know his numbers, you know, his, his full game numbers don't look um, entirely impressive from that game, but I, I think that was – partially on the wide receivers uh, inconsistent play, particularly in the first half with the drops. But um, the, the the final drive in particular with Nolan stands out to me as just really a display of his leadership and, and his ability to make plays when his number's called. Uh, you know, game's on the line there, and, and Oregon State needs a touchdown. And, and what does he do? He leads a, a game-winning drive with a bunch of clutch completions, a couple of 20-yarders in there. Um, and I, I thought that was just a, a great display of what he brings to the quarterback position. But you mentioned Harrison as well, and I, I think we should highlight him there too because, you know, like I said, with the drops in the first half, I think that really limited Oregon State's offense and, uh, you know, prevented it from stringing together plays and drives. But but Harrison in the second half comes back and, and makes a couple of game-changing plays, you know, that screen pass where – he went for 17 yards and, and made a bunch of guys miss, miss with his legs. Uh, that stood out as, as one of the best plays of his career. And to do that when Oregon State needs points desperately at the end of the game after struggling with drops in the first half, I thought was um, I, I thought that was really impressive from him. You're talking about this kind of the, the state of this team and, and then exactly the, the trust in the built that has been built up. The equity has been built up by guys like Chance Nolan. What, the play that obviously won them the game was was Jack Coletto's goal line draw or goal line run. 
But Jonathan Smith's comments following the game were really interesting and I think kind of highlighted some of the trust and, and a lot of what we kind of heard coming out of camp in the belief in this team right now where they were going to go one way and Coletto got him to go the other way and say, no, we, we, can, we can run this. They, they misaligned on this. Let's see if they do it again. And Jonathan Smith allows that to kind of be like, okay, go, go run that. How much of that trust in the, in the program and in his players right now, is that kind of the driving force that you feel is like around this team so far in the first two weeks? Yeah, I, I really appreciated the comment from Smith on, on that play where, you know, he, he kind of took us, he, he, he kind of took us into the decision-making there, um, walked us through the fact that, you know, originally he was going to go for it, but then I had a change of heart. Um, was going to send the field goal unit on there and, and play for the tie and send the game to overtime. But then when he got the opportunity to go for it again, he sent Coletto out there and, and Coletto said, you know, I, you know, I did score on that play earlier in the game, but I, I really like this look in this situation. And for Smith to trust him there, um, I, I think it's telling of, uh, to your point where this program is, where it has players who can make plays and, and who are you know, worthy of that trust. And Coletto, Coletto comes to mind in particular as a guy who, who really has just thrived in his role. You know, Coletto is, is a guy who came in as a quarterback and, you know, moved to linebacker to, uh, to try to get more playing time. But really that he settled into this role where he is as reliable as they come as far as getting two to four yards when you need him to on a, on a third down or a fourth down or a goal line situation. Uh, and so for Smith to to give him the reins there and say, all right, yeah, you, you saw something in the defense that you think can, you can exploit, go do it. Well, the reason he trusts him there is because he's done it a handful of times. Career. And uh, I think that was, um, I think that was an exemplary of, of, to your point there, uh, kind of the culture of the program here where it's becoming more player led. And, you know, these guys are experienced and they have performed at a high level for a couple of years now. And um, I, I thought it was cool to see Smith, kind of trust his player and, and let him make the call there. Yeah, I mean, Jack Leto, three carries, six yards, two touchdowns, <laughs> a, a long run of two yards. He literally ran the ball two yards every time he touched the ball and got two touchdowns on the day. I mean, the jackhammer is something that is so fun to watch, and he had explosive plays against Boise, and they kind of slowed him down a little bit. Uh, against Fresno and didn't need to use him as much because Deshaun Fenwick got going. How much does it mean to this offense to finally see, you know, Deshaun Fenwick is going to be the guy? In week one, it was, all right, is it going to be Fenwick? Is it going to be Martinez? Is it going to be Trello? Deshaun Fenwick kind of planted his flag in the ground that I'm going to be the workhorse back for this team. Yeah, big performance from him. Uh, I believe the, the third most rushing yards in a single game in his career uh, tying the 102 he had in the game at Georgia Tech. So uh, one of the best games of his career, and I think it came in a in a, a really timely opportunity there where Trey Lowe stayed back in Corvallis with an injury. Isaiah Newell was uh, unavailable as well. And so, you know, Oregon State's deep running back room that has five guys that we think can, uh, can take the field and make plays for him was down to three. And so you really needed to see one or two guys kind of, you know, really cement themselves and, and – and take the majority of the carries, and ultimately the coaching staff landed on Fenwick for that role, and he, he capitalized. You know, on a per-carry basis, it wasn't the most efficient we've seen from him. I think he was around four and a half yards per carry, but he eclipsed 100 yards. He found the end zone. 
Um, and, and ultimately, he just made plays when they needed him to do it. So uh, good to see that from him, and I, I'm curious if, if that performance is enough for him to kind of solidify himself as the featured back going forward, or if once Trey Lowe is healthy, if we continue to see a bunch of him and if Damian Martinez can continue to kind of work up as a true freshman as well. Interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. You're talking about the, the Beavers making the plays uh, that need to be made, and which is a, it's a sign of a, of, a, of a winning team typically, whether it's Chance Nolan, whether it's Jack Coletto, whether it's defensively coming up with interceptions. But this team is also, through two games, even it's great to get two wins, but in those two wins, they've shot themselves in the foot quite a bit. What are the things that they really need to clean up? And not to look past Montana State, because Montana State is it's a, they're going to be a game opponent, but they're going up against what could be the best offense in the country next week against USC. What do they need to clean up against Montana State to make the showdown in Core Vegas uh, a, a weird and wild one that always seems to happen against USC? Well, after week one, it was, uh, you know, offensively, it was cleaning up the penalties and, and reducing turnovers, and, and the Beavers did that to a great extent uh, in week two. You didn't see the Beavers cough up the ball. Uh, you, you didn't see drives stall because of penalties, and so I think uh, week one to week two, you saw the improvements that you wanted to see there. Uh, but after the Fresno State game, I think, you know, defensively, there are a couple of things to clean up. In the passing game in particular, I didn't feel like the coverage was as strong as, as we had seen in week one against Boise State. To be fair, you know, to Fresno State's credit, that's that's one of the more electric passing games in the yeah. country. And so uh, I, I think Jake Hayner and that wide receiver core were, were always going to make plays. Um but, you know, giving up almost 400 yards through the air is, is a point of concern, uh, and, and particularly when you talk about USC coming to down, uh, coming to town, we, we know that, that that offense is electric and it's going to be able to move the ball. So I, I think defensively you want to see Oregon State go into that Montana State game and, and play a lot similarly to, uh, to the way it did against Boise State in Week 1. Uh, to kind of show that, you know, the, the five turnovers against Boise State weren't a flash in the pan, and, you know, this, this defense has the ability to affect the passer a little bit more because forcing turnovers and, and getting to Caleb Williams in the pass rush uh, in week four, those are going to be a couple of the, the really key things to watch for uh, as, as Oregon State attempts to slow down that Trojans offense. How excited are these guys to to come up to Portland and play a game? I mean, it's it's a it's it's a weird kind of sense that we're getting. Like, you want a home game to be in Corvallis, where you know this is moving week for the students, even, and you know they're going to be playing up in Portland. You know, is there a buzz about about playing in Providence Park at all? Yeah, I think these guys are actually pretty excited to go up there and do that. They had the opportunity. Uh, during fall camp towards the end to, to do a little bit of a walkthrough type practice up there at Providence Park. Um, and, and by all accounts, you know, they love the atmosphere. They, they can kind of picture it being sold out with, with a bunch of orange and black in there. And um, I, I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere. You know, I, I think they're going to go up there and, and find um, close to a sellout, if, if not a sellout. And, you know, probably 90 to 95% of those fans are going to be wearing orange and black. Montana State does travel pretty well for an FCS program, and I know it has a pretty strong alumni base in, in Portland and Seattle and the Pacific Northwest that will show up. Um, but I think the atmosphere is going to be great. I think it's an opportunity for the Beavers to, to go and pick up a third win, uh, to finish this non-conference schedule undefeated for the first time since 2014. Uh, and I, I know the guys are excited to, you know, to, to go up and play in Portland um, 
in front of a in, in front of a pretty solid turnout of, of Beaver fans, and you know, eventually, hopefully, get that uh, that third win and, and keep their momentum rolling. Well, if the Beavs do enter uh, Week Four three and zero, there's going to be a buzz down in Corvallis because USC is coming to town for Pac-12 after dark, no less, a 6:30 kick uh, with the Trojans. Carter, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a blast. There he is, Carter Bonds from BeaverBlitz.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.